Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your host, Owen Kate, like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse. Show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. Noel, how's it going this week? Uh, it's going okay because I'm not having to go to Matt Lauer's sex office. Oh my god, right? <laughs> That, oh. Like I was, I was talking to some some you know friends, acquaintances, family members about this, and I actually had at least one person be like, "Well, no, they said it was a thing that was like just for like some of the higher ups, and they're just like a security feature, so they don't have to like get up." I'm like, I'm like, no, that, that is really creepy, and and why do they need that? Why can't they walk to their door in their office? No, the only people who need buttons on their desks that unlock and lock doors are Bond villains and mafia bosses. That's it. That's it. That is it. Like it's absurd. It like like oh my god, I can't imagine that the that one woman who came forward with uh what what you know she's alleging happened to her uh, with her story and like can you imagine walking in and you, for a meeting air quotes and you hear the door lock behind you like mm-hmm. oh my god like right. No, it's horrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so fuck you, Matt Lauer. Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. But also, like, f- that's such a been a long running thing with him. I mm-hmm. mean, like, I remember, like, tabloid reports about, like, his infidelity for dating back, like, decade yeah. or so at the very least. And then just the whole Ann Curry thing as well was just really, really gross. Yeah. Um, so this was just like, yeah, yeah. Fuck you, Matt Lauer. Yeah, I was not surprised when I like I had missed it for whatever reason. I had been like offline all day when when yeah. that that whole story broke, um, and so so I, someone else told me I was like, you know what? Yep, they were like shocked, and I was like, mm. there have been rumors about like stuff with him for a long time, like nothing. Yeah. Like I hadn't heard any rumors of things that weren't consensual, but like mm-hmm. you know, yeah. still he's always been kind of a scumbag, especially yeah. since like he took over today. It's gotten like a lot worse. Yeah. Yeah. So again, celebrating another <laughs> another downfall. Uh, Garrison Keeler this week as well, yeah. which uh, yeah, again, people are just shocked, shocked, and like, n- no, no, not shocked. Yeah, and I mean, I don't have any attachment to Keeler, and this is also where I say I always hated the writer's almanac and Prairie's Home Companion because <laughs> I did. Um, but I also just never really followed him very well but his whole well if i have to go down for something i'd rather go down for something better than this and it's just like you you yeah yeah i mean he's wearing this as kind of like a badge of honor and it's very weird and gross it's and terrible yeah it's gross and terrible uh i will say i was very excited this week as we were watching uh, the mag- mega <laughs> cw crossover more on that in a moment uh, to see Andrew Kreisberg finally, finally fired from the CW. That took too long, but uh, it helps that it happened this week. It did take a little too long. Um, I have to assume that they just wanted to make sure that they did an investigation while he was suspended. But when you've got that many reports, at least, um, being published, type of thing. Um, but yeah, it's just... it. Yeah, it's. I'm glad he's fired. Yep, very glad. And it did help me like enjoy the crossover a little bit more. You know, to, to, yeah. It, it. I know we're not supposed to bring life outside of the text to the text, but it's. Yeah. It's. Yeah. 
But it's also really easy to read Elastic Man as basically just a thinly veiled um, Kreisberg now. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll <laughs> see. It'll be interesting to see how, uh, see if there are any shakeups in priorities and in characterization, uh, depending on whoever they bring in next is. Because whoever they right. bring in, will they can either match the style and match the approach of the current show, or they can you know, like start moving it in a direction that they're more interested in. And we'll... You know, right. we'll have to see who Guggenheim... I'm assuming Guggenheim will be in charge of picking, you know, who's um, going to take over. Well, Berlanti's, Berlanti's taking over on both Supergirl and Flash. Okay. Um, so he's stepping in there, because Guggenheim already has his co-show running Arrow and Legends. Mm-hmm. Um, so Berlanti's filling in on Supergirl and Flash until they either find someone else or they just recalibrate for the current other showrunners that they have on both of those shows. Uh, I can't remember the... I cannot remember the Supergirl showrunner, but Flash is, I want to say, is helping. Mm-hmm. But I can't remember who's doing Supergirl right now, because they have shakeups, I feel like, fairly often. Oh, okay. That's interesting. So, yeah. yeah. I should investigate that more, because I think yeah. that would be very interesting to chart sort of the progress well, yeah, of these like, shows. Ali Adler was on season one, and then she didn't come back for season two, and I forget mm-hmm. who they brought on for season two. And then I know, I, I'm pretty sure that they changed over again for season three. Yeah. Interesting. So okay. Um positive news. Uh yeah. elementary got its episode order extended, which you know we yes. are happy about. So it's yeah. basically a full season now. Right. And it's really weird because I thought they had a full season already. <laughs> and I was like, oh, they're gonna get twenty one episodes instead. Oh, wait, I thought they got a full season and we were just gonna run them all in a row. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> well I'll take twenty one episodes, yeah. Yeah. They're gonna have to run them all in a row now. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, we're yeah. down for that. Uh Mindhunter yeah. got renewed for season two. Very exciting. Yeah, which is also really cool news. I was excited about that. I kept waiting for that renewal to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was glad that it finally did. And then most interesting, like aside from hashtag me too. Yeah. Um, most interesting thing for me this week was Brian Fuller and Michael Green leaving American Gods for season two, which we had, you know, like, I was kind of, you know, if this hadn't popped back in the news, I was kind of seeing, going to see if, like, this had slipped far enough off of, off of everyone's radar that it could show up for Smorgasbordy and, like, disappointments and some of these other categories, like, you know, like, letdowns or, like, great ideas that didn't come together. Like, the different categories that we have. Um, and people be like, oh, yeah, that was this year. But then it's back in the news, so everybody remembers it exists. Um, so uh, that's uh, sort of where we're at with I American Gods. I never forgot that it existed, Katie. Yeah. Well, it's going to yeah. be, like, it's going to be serious contenders for a few positive categories as well, listeners. Never you fear. We have not forgotten some of those sex scenes and some of those visual imagery, like, moments. But, uh, yeah, like, is anybody interested in American Gods without them at the helm? I, well, considering I wasn't interested with them at the helm after a couple episodes. Well, there is that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just sort of shrugged at this news entirely, in part because I just didn't like the show very much um but also it's just sort of like brian fuller has too many things going on yeah yeah he needs well it seems to me the stuff that we've seen him involved in in the past you know like since he's split his focus has been nowhere near as interesting or as complete and fully realized and executed as the stuff Mm -hmm. before he split his focus yeah so we'll see what happens next And Michael Green's busy, you know, writing the next Kenneth Branagh as Poirot film. 
Kate's very, Kate's making a very excited face. Everyone, um, you did you, I not? You stepped over my silence there for my reaction to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really don't care about that one. Oh, you don't want to hear about it because I, I saw it over the holiday and it it was fine. I I mean I've long contended that um especially after reading it um that Murder in the Orient Express is not a very easily adaptable book. Nope. Um, and so it was a perfectly okay adaptation, and Branagh is okay as, um, Poirot, but, um, I think that he, and I tweeted this, I think he'd be better suited for something a little more fun. Um, so, like, Third Girl, I think, would really appeal to a lot of Branagh's sensibilities as a director anyway. As an actor, I think they should probably recast, but, yeah. Suchet or nothing! Anyways. <laughs> Uh, this week at the end of the show, we are talking with friend of the show, Dr. Elizabeth Bridges, about the CW four-way crossover. Um, so that's going to be super fun, Crisis on Earth X. Um, so it, it, last week, it was American Thanksgiving. Like, very few things took the week off. Next week, right. a bunch of new shows are starting. This week, surprisingly little original, like, new episodes right. of TV. It's very weird. Very weird. It's so very weird. We're going to just but put I, everything into our week in TV and just have one yeah. segment for that. Yeah. And also, I can just talk about all the movies I watched this week, too, because I watched, like, nine movies this week, Kate. Everybody go see Coco. It's real good. Ah, I, I, I watched a bunch of movies recorded off Turner Classic Movies. Well, those so are also... I'm, you told me what some of them are, and those are also very good movies. But uh, I actually went to a movie theater for the first time in quite a while to see ooh. something that wasn't a, a Marvel superhero movie um, yeah. or Wonder Woman. And mm-hmm. uh, again, like show up 20 minutes late, skip the Frozen short, uh, and be there. But be, make sure you don't miss a frame of Coco, because I really liked it. It was very good. Yay! I'm glad that I'm glad that you enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And what is your highlight of your nine movies that you watched this week? Oh, uh, gosh. There's a correct answer. I don't know what most of them are, but I know what one of them is, so there's a correct answer. Well, what is my correct answer? Is the Lady Eve. <laughs> no, I did watch The Lady Eve, but I'd seen The Lady Eve before, and The Lady Eve's delightful, mm-hmm. um, and it's still delightful. Um, let's see. I watched, rewatched Stark Passage, which is also really good. Um... But of the new stuff I watched, um, I watched The Best Man, which is a 64 um, Henry Fonda film uh, about the battle for the nomination of a party. Um, it was all brokered at a convention, uh, written by Gore Vidal based on his play. It was good. It was really interesting um, actor showcase type of thing, but it was good. Um, but everything else was just kind of middling to so-so. I watched two different versions of the same movie produced three years apart from one another about two people who end up falling in love, but they're living together in the same room, but they don't see each other because she has the room from like at night while he's at work and he has the room in the morning while she's at work and they hate each other. And there's lots of passive aggressive notes in between them in the apartment, but they fall in love when they accidentally meet in person. And I've watched two different versions of this movie because RKO couldn't let this project go. Okay. Mostly what I'm hearing is I need to rewatch agent Carter. Yeah, no, absolutely. You should totally always want to rewatch Agent Carter. Because it's basically like a subplot in the beginning of <laughs> Agent Carter. And it's delightful. And everyone should rewatch Agent Carter because it's very good. It is very good. That's all I'm adding to this conversation. That, no, that's and everyone fine. should watch The Lady Eve because Barbara Stanwyck is just amazing. Oh, God, she's so good in that. Yeah. It's just And insane. Henry Fonda got all his pratfalls in. Yeah. Like, 
for his entire career. He just knocked him out really quickly because he never did another pratfall after that. <laughs> um, okay. Well, we are getting distracted talking about movies and very good movies, but movies. And this is not a movie podcast unless we're talking about ranking superhero movies. Uh, I was about to say, we did like 45 minutes on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it was important. And the people who did not ask for that needed to know, even though we got no feedback on it, uh, as I'm choosing to tell myself. But I, I know that uh, along with all of us needing more Crazy Ex-Girlfriend so I can use music from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which I can't this week, tears, uh, so as long as, as well as hearing some music from The Weekend TV, everyone wants to hear us talk about The Weekend TV. So let's take a break, listen to a little music, and come back with our Weekend TV. That was I Adore Being a Girl, featured prominently in uh, season one of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, uh, which, you know, dropped this week on Amazon. We'll be talking about that in our week in TV, as well as the Drunk History Christmas special on Comedy Central. Uh, we'll check in with the rundown with Robin Thede. It's been a while since we talked about that. Then Brooklyn Nine-Nine had returned to Skyfire. Uh, Broad City had bed bugs. I'll talk a bit about Outlanders, Uncharted, and we'll round things up with Marvel's Runaways, uh, 15 so that's the fourth episode of season one but first up is the marvelous mrs mazel and uh as noel as you know i've been very busy with cookies this week yes uh, the christmas baking uh, has begun and completed and now i'm just in the wrapping and shipping and sending uh phase i've managed to not eat my body weight in cookies this year which is like I'm, I'm pretty proud of that. The reason I bring it up, though, is because that's what I was doing when I was watching The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which is why I've seen the entire season. Um, and I have some thoughts. But first, I want to know what you thought of Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. And had you seen the pilot when they dropped it or did you just dive in the first time this like this week? I dived in the first time this week. Um, yeah, me too. So, like, I've I've given up on knowing when Amazon's public pilot season is happening, especially since even now they're just like, oh, we're maybe going to get rid of this, to which everyone promptly went, it doesn't matter anyway. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I just dived right in. And I, I, I liked it quite a bit, actually. I enjoyed a lot of it. Um, and I had some issues with some wobbly, wob wobbliness in the middle for me. Um, but overall, I thought it was pretty solid and, um, yeah, well, well, yeah, kind of wobbly in the middle. And I didn't particularly care for like where we had to get to for the, where they went to get to where they wanted for the finale. Mm -hmm. Um, but overall I really enjoyed it and it's, it's carried by so many really good performances yes. that I'm willing to just overlook some of the writing structure character stuff that they do that kind of irked me a little bit because the performances are all just top to bottom really really good and they deploy 
guest actors really well as well. Yeah. Oh, man. Jane Lynch, contender for guest episode. Yeah, just comes in and just nails that. Yeah, yeah, very good. And we're going to keep this very, relatively spoiler-free because it's a, a yeah. new show. A lot of people won't have yeah. seen much of it yet. Um, but I will say for me, well, Rachel Brosnahan, did I say that right? Yes. Uh, I think so, yeah. Is uh, terrific as yes. the lead. She's really good. And for me, uh, also, um, Tony Shalhoub and the actor who plays uh, – the mother whose name escapes me at the moment. And I feel really bad. Midge's for mom. Midge's mom. Yeah. Uh, Marina Hinkle. I want to say. Yeah. She's they're both, they're both terrific. Uh, any Marin Hinkle. Marin Hinkle. Hinkle. Okay. Um, anytime they're on is great. And, but for me, the show really sings when it is, uh, Midge and Alex Borstein's, uh, Susie. Yes. Uh, that's that's the show for me and the other performances are all very good they're all very interesting but i have some questions about um the show and the writing and whether they have uh a clear sense of joel and they do not i don't think they do and i the reason i say that is to keep things spoiler free it's a little challenging but Based on previous Amy Sherman Palladino projects, I think we're supposed to be more on board with Joel than I am. I I don't think they realize how toxic and gross he is. Um, I think they think he's a certain amount, but every every time, every flashback we see with him, and there's a number of them. I think they think it's charming, but I think it's gross and controlling and he's constantly negging and we're supposed to think that's cute and like bantery and like that Sherman Palladino back and forth. Yeah. And I'm just like, this person is treating you like crap. And I, I, I just that I was having a real trouble investing in Joel, not, not even just Midge and Joel, because I think they have a pretty good sense of that. But I mean, just Joel himself. Yeah. Um, and the performance is very good, but every time he came on, I was like, why am I supposed to care about this guy? You've shown him to be yes. really terrible. Yeah, no, they jettisoned all possible goodwill in the premiere with him. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I don't know why I'm still spending time with this guy. Yeah. And um, because I don't like him and I just want Tony Shalhoub to drop him off an elevator, mm-hmm. drop him into an elevator shaft. Yeah. Um, Because he's just he's just kind of sad and pathetic and terrible and it's which is why like some of the stuff that happens in the finale is just really frustrating for me um and where they want us to end up with with him on the finale where i'm just like no i actively refuse to do this show thank you very much but no (laughs) um so yeah no i absolutely agree that they don't have a sense of who he is aside from the they want to sort of have their cake and eat it too and have like this sort of redemption sort of arc for him that is just like no i i don't care about joel yeah at all his parents are both really correct about how not good he is (laughs) even his parents see this yeah well yeah and and um again that's the, the 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 question of the the writer's perspective on him is what is curious to me because I feel like the characters have a strong sense of him, but the writers want us to think the characters are wrong. 
Yeah. But the characters aren't wrong. So it's like how as no. the, it's really fascinating to me as the writers of the show. I agree with how they've written other characters' perceptions of this character rather than what they want me to think about this character. And that's right. anytime it's so interesting. <laughs> right. Anytime he's sort of like alone or just kind of spending time with him mm-hmm. um outside of like his family. Um because like uh his secretary slash his friends all seem sort of on board with him in one way or another. Yeah. And so it's a weird sort of thing where I agree with you that the show sort of wants us to like him in spite of things. Or to see him as complicated or right, flawed. Or nuanced when he's just, he's not, he's not complicated or nuanced. He's just kind of a driftless, ennui jerk. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's, he's, he's basic. He's yeah. He's very, very basic. basic. Um, the, the one performance I will mention that I was surprised by, um, I'm not going to say the character that this actor is playing, but Luke Kirby shows up. People, of course, recognize him from Rectify. I didn't recognize him at first. I did not make that connection. Um, but, and, and, uh, frankly, he's too attractive to be playing the person he's playing. That is very, very accurate. (laughs) But I found myself very charmed by the performance and like, I don't know how accurate that is. He's yeah. playing a historical figure. Um, should we say what the show's about? We haven't even said what the show's about. Yeah, no, we should talk about that. Um, so Maisel takes place in, like, what, 58, 59? Sure, um, yes. Yeah, it's late 50s, early 60s. And um, Joel, the character we've just been bashing, and fittingly so, um, is a wannabe stand-up comedian slash salaryman. Um, and Midge the mrs mazel of the show uh supports him until he bombs and he leaves her oh we're and, oh okay sure yeah. that's not a spoiler it's in the premiere it is in the premiere yeah so yeah. she winds up doing stand-up comedy yeah and, and then we're following her adventures herself. yeah yeah and that's sort of what it is and it's yeah 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 so so anyways yeah. luke kirby plays a historical figure um and does it really well and it sort of shows up because that's the kind of character that could easily turn into like wish fulfillment character or like the the blue fairy kind of character um but i think or or just a caricature of this figure and i think that they do a pretty good job of of making him a real person now i don't know if that's accurate to right. who this person it's was, a, but it's it, he probably works well. like a Paladino version of this character. Yes, I feel like it's a much more palatable Paladino version yeah. of this character. Yeah. Uh, but I, yeah. I was very charmed by that character and that performance. Uh, I feel like though the it's really all about Brosnan and um and Alex Borstein, and it's really cool to see Alex Borstein get a character like yeah. this. Yeah, that she is. can really di- you know dig her teeth into. Yeah, it is. And she she carries a lot of the show, especially towards the end, more or less by herself in a lot of instances. Mm-hmm. And it was it was really rewarding to see someone like her who's been around for so long um get this kind of a chance. Yeah. And it was it was really delightful. Yeah. Also, Bunhead's fans, Bailey Buntain, the blonde Bunhead, now Bailey DeYoung cuz she, she got married and changed her name. Um does show up in several episodes. So, <laughs> and it makes me very happy that she's still getting work. Um yeah, yeah especially after faking it as well cuz she was delightful in faking it too. Um so I was really glad that when she popped up I just went, oh, "Yay!" <laughs> she just always 
going to be Bailey Bontane, the blonde bun head. Like just, yeah. and that's, that's wonderful. Um, okay. So I would say for me, there, there were some episodes that worked a lot better than others. The yeah. stuff around comedy works really much better than some of the other stuff, especially the relationship stuff. Um, I didn't care much for the flashbacks, though they were interesting. But I, mm-hmm. like that's when I found myself getting a little drawn out of it. Um, but uh, anything with her immediate family, with her parents, is terrific. And the uh, some of the like social stuff I think works really well. And like there's a like there's several different like kind of comedy sequences where they're going to check out different uh, comics or comedians, and or like when you see her honing her act, her ten minutes, yeah. like that stuff works really well. So I would say if you're interested in comedy, this is a way better uh, take on than some of the more recent shows we've seen looking at the comedy scene. And yeah. um, the for me, the Paladino Sherman Paladino like banter, like you can feel it there, but it's not as like twee, like as over the yeah. top as the previous two shows. So it's not as, as much as Bunheads and, and Gilmore Girls. So like that's, I feel like that's ratcheted down a moment or down a level, or at least it feels like it because if there's like a screwball kind of co- element that seems time period appropriate, even though it's not necessarily. Yeah. So I don't know. That, that's why I would recommend I, it, but I don't yeah. say you have to rush out. Yeah. And I think a lot of that with the dialogue, especially like hinges on the fact that it's not super pop culture driven. Yes. Um, which they, of course, can't really justify doing here. I mean, there are references to really famous people. Mm-hmm. Um, um, this is particularly like with one character. But they tend to askew a lot of that. And I think that helps in terms of creating, the again, this sort of screwball banter and energy to things that I think makes a big difference in ratcheting down... Uh, your point about the twee and everything. So I think that, and I was talking about that with my friend Danielle as well, and that the patter feels a little different. And yeah, no, I'd recommend this to other people as well. I'm probably going to recommend it to my mom over the weekend um, when I talk to her next, just in case she didn't know about it. Um, Cause I think she'd get a kick out of this. Well, that is a perfect segue to our next show because drunk history had its Christmas special and I watched it while I was making uh, Christmas cookies with my mom and mm-hmm. this was her first ever episode of Drunk History now my mom is a teetotaler my mom is like I've seen her have like a glass of wine on a special occasion with dinner like like my mom doesn't drink and she does not respect people who drink um, mm-hmm. or, or get drunk it's just like you know like she, everybody makes their own choices but it's you know not something that she respects um, and I was delighted that she really enjoyed Drunk History. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. And she's like, your father should watch this. He would love it. <laughs> and he had seen like an episode here or there, but we watched we watched some and, and he did really enjoy it. She was getting such a kick out of the reenactors and like the, mm-hmm. the, just the performances. Like, so if it was just the Drunk Historians, she really wouldn't care about that. But the, yeah. she can respect, could respect the performances of like trying to match what they were saying and all the little like bits happening in the background not even just mm-hmm. the people who are speaking but the reaction shots and everything um so that was super delightful now this for the christmas special this episode they did the um crossing of the delaware they did okay. uh teddy roosevelt's kids um getting the christmas tree ban lifted and they did another oh they did um oh what was it 
They did another one. I, I watched several episodes with yeah. my when, I, when my mom enjoyed this. Was like, let's put another one on. Look, it's Harriet Tubman. She's a badass, and this act out. You liked her in the Help, you know. Like I was trying to let's keep this train rolling. So like they've kind of blurred together in my mind a little bit. Um, but I thought it was a good special. I thought you know I liked that. Um, if they didn't have more significant stories, which they you didn't historical stories, then keeping it to just a regular half episode was a good call. I was kind of hoping it'd be like an hour long one. Oh, you know what they did? A Christmas Carol. The writing of A Christmas Carol was the other one. Okay. Um, and so I was kind of hoping it'd be like an hour long extravaganza with like more in-depth stuff, but that's not drunk history. And so yeah. the, when I saw the pacing, everything it was like, okay, fair enough. You wouldn't want six stories. These stories don't need any more time than they have. So fair enough. It was fun. It's nice to have it back just for this one episode. And I got to, uh, now I can like, when we're looking for shows to sit down and watch until the good place comes back, I can throw junk history into the rotation and I would not yay. have guessed that would happen. So yay. And now you can like use alcohol to grease holidays, holiday conversations Sh in an indirect way. Sure. Sure. Like, listen, yeah. the, ent the entire rest of my family drinks. That's the thing. Like, all of us, like, will have wine or beer with dinner. Or, like, I've got family members who, who like, tour distilleries and know, like, insane amounts about bourbon. And, like, okay. so, so it's just – my mom, like, looks at her like, how? How did not one of you, like <laughs> – follow me you know like I take after completely. me yeah it's, <laughs> it's just so funny um anyways so it was a christmas miracle thank you drunk history um mm. let's move on to the rundown with robin Thede and uh this is episode what like seven eight i want to say it's episode seven or eight yeah yeah and uh have you been checking in with the rundown regularly yeah no i watch it every week um <laughs> it's probably like the second or third thing i watch on it's probably yeah it's probably the second th second or third thing i watch on thursdays well fridays i should say mm -hmm. um after i do like arrow and mom i think is i do dr i do the rundown yeah um so yeah no i do it every week have you you've been keeping up with it yeah for of? the most part or, like yeah. you know depending on travel and and other things it, it's yeah. it's slipped off my radar a little bit but i certainly when i am able i, I check in how have they been yeah, doing for you yeah, I, uh, like a lot of my hesitation on the show centered around Thede uh, um, being in front of the camera, but that basically was gone by like week three for me because um, I knew, I, like, I remember you being really on board with what she was doing from the get go, uh, but she seems like super relaxed now, and um, the delivery's gotten a lot better with, and I think also like a big part of it is like the audience is a lot better now as yeah. well. Yeah, and so like the rhythms of the jokes and also the rhythm of her delivery is like being picked up by the audience a lot more than it definitely was in the premiere where everything was getting like a little like juggled in communication for me in a way that was making the show kind of uh, stuttery, and that's completely gone now. Like the audience is very on board with like the rhythms of the show and how she delivers these jokes. And I, a lot of that just has to do with the fact that the show has started <laughs> and people are watching it and yeah. now they're aware of how the show operates. So that has helped a lot in terms of especially like the first segment. Um, but if they keep doing the rundown part in the second segment as well, it makes it just makes a big difference. Yeah. And they've gotten better at the pop up concert series. Uh, it's yep. still like not as uh 
as loose and as uh, organic as they would like it to be. <laughs> There's mm-hmm. still an element of try hard to like, yeah, everybody's yeah. excited, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, wisely, they've been skipping some week. Like, like they've been switching it out with uh, like just sketches and other bits. And yeah. so or I, field reports as well. They did a yeah. really good field report about uh, marijuana laws and um, ownership issues that was really really excellent and also they did housing development as well in miami which was also really really good yeah so so i think they're they're getting the groove of it and i mean I, yeah. like you said i was super on board right away from the first episode but you're right uh, phoebe has gotten even more confident even more relaxed in her role and it's you know that she's doing a good job and the show is doing well uh, i don't know about, about mm-hmm. ratings but Fingers yeah. crossed it's doing well enough. Um, and again, I'm just so grateful to have her voice yeah. in TV and in late night. So well done. Run down with Robin Thede. Let's move on to our next episode uh, in comedy. And and this is uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine Return to Skyfire. I have a couple questions. Sure. Are you, first of all. What did you think of the con and the cosplay? Because I felt like they really, the cosplayers at the con within the the show needed to step up their game. And second of all, I don't need to see these writers again um, as much as I really love the actors. I do need to to meet the author of the book that uh, that uh, Rosa is now obsessed with. Right. Next season. Yeah, no, I think the cosplayer needs need to step up. And I do agree with you that we don't need to see these writers again. Um, but and I do also agree with you that we need to meet the author of the books that Rosa are like super into because I really enjoyed the fact that we had like women cosplaying as Rosa, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> and that made me very happy. <laughs> I love the like the delivery on crap. I have welding goggles in my car. <laughs> like that was, yeah, it was so yeah. perfect. Um, and just also the the little note that that author only started writing the books when she was in her sixties. So that that opens up so many casting options mm-hmm. that are very interesting. Yeah, I'd like to see. It. How did you feel about the rest of this episode? Yeah, no. So the episode is like excessively silly, and um, mm-hmm. I appreciated that on some level, and that I had a lot of like really solid laughs, particularly when. Um, Terry and Jake would start skipping and singing. Um, it's never not terrific. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I, I also just wanted more stuff about Jake and Amy's wedding, and we did not get that. And I was a little disappointed with that. And I liked everything that was happening with um, uh, Amy, Holt, and Boyle. But it was also just sort of like, it's fine it's amusing and i liked the drawing on the cast face um, that Mm -hmm. Holt puts on but yeah it just felt like a really sort of like it felt it very much feels like an episode that they've they've had waiting to do for a while free of any context and it's fine but and i laughed a lot but as soon as it was done i just went okay uh so how did you feel about the rest of it overall it it was very like you said it was very silly yeah um and and it fit in very nicely with my viewing of the uh the crisis on earth x that Mm -hmm. we're gonna talk about later in the show which is also very silly. like i kind of watched because this was on tuesday right and so i watched it like amidst that and it was just a very silly like little span of viewing for me and i'm super down with that I think they can't do too much of that. Right. Because they like that it's easy for the show to lose its balance. Yes. But 
like a week of that absolutely i will also mention i really enjoyed reggie lee who people will of course know from Grimm, uh as the instructor i thought he was super fun and uh i would i would appreciate if he if he pops up again like him as part of the world i think works nicely yeah i think um, so too and, and now that holds doesn't really function as Holt anymore. It's the Ron Swanson factor or the any other example. There's so many of them. Uh, it's nice to have someone else in that capacity here and there. So this was another example of that. Yeah, that's a, that's, that's a really excellent point because the idea of Holt doing anything that he does in this episode, let alone forgetting to put Vaseline on a subordinate's face, um, mm-hmm. doesn't make sense anymore. It wouldn't have made sense in like season one or even season two, but now it just it's par for the course. Yeah. Yeah, it's... They've they've killed that character and just gone over the top with with it. At least what he started out as, yeah. and it's still very funny. It's just so far from grounded that it's nice. To, they have to give that grounding role to other characters. So um, yeah, but it was fun. And as long as we get more wedding stuff soon, I'm yeah. cool with it. <laughs> but we need wedding stuff soon. Yeah, always need a lot of wedding stuff now because it's all so very good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I also really enjoyed Broad City this week, Bedbugs, um, and just like the the horror of the bedbugs I felt was appropriately like captured in this episode, and yeah, it was it was fun. I it's I've allowed. Broad City to slip in my rankings of like w- when I watch stuff, like what I have to watch first. And this was the first one in a while where I was like, uh, oh, I should have watched this sooner. It was like I really was back in it. It was. And I appreciated it, like, again, like your point about like the fear of the bedbugs and the horror of the bedbugs, I thought was really great. Um, and that montage of Alana trying to call people to take her in. Uh, mm-hmm. It was just very amusing because it's just like, oh, yeah, no, I'm absolutely happy to see you. Please, please. Absolutely great. Because I have bed bugs. Oh, no, you haven't called me for months and you want to come in now? No. And it's just like, this is very good. And I, I felt really bad that Lincoln was just like, oh, but I'm a dad now. <laughs> Holding up that adorable little puppy. Um, but I also liked how this sort of like wrapped up a lot of like the season sort of like um storylines in a way even though this isn't the finale that's next week yeah but it's just like we're taking away alana's really cushy job and also burning her money um because <laughs> i like that she's still sleeping on all her tip money i think that's excellent um mm-hmm. but also to the point where abby gets a new job um even though it's not the job she thought she was going to get um and i'm very excited about the idea of all right so what would be the absolute worst way to work in anthropology yes security guard that is that that is just (laughs) the cruelest way to work in anthropology and i think that that was very very funny so i really appreciated all the different sort of like tie-ups that this episode had in it yeah no and like getting a suzy esman for like that one like paying her just to use her that much i just (laughs) kind of loved yeah yeah (laughs) uh any other thoughts on Broad City? I am glad that RuPaul's character is accepting his family. <laughs> now, now that, that he, he has nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, we'll see. I, I would expect we won't see that character for a while, but I just, again, 
similarly, I, as with Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I, I love the fact that that character is still in the world of Broad City and they can bring it back whatever and in whatever context, yeah. like whenever and, and in whatever context they want. Uh, it's delightful. Yeah. The, the, the little just the, and also the reaction shot of the kid was just like perfect and mm-hmm. so delightful as well. So, yeah, it was it was a fun episode. Uh, less fun was Uh-oh. Outlander. In Uncharted. Like well, well, because Claire is like marooned on an island. Uh, oh, she, already. So like she 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 jumps off the ship because she has to get to Jamie to warn Jamie. Okay. About about a thing he's being set up. Um, and so then she's get tossed. In, she misses the island she's shooting for. He gets tossed around in, in the ocean for a while and ends up on a different island. Okay. Um, and she like accidentally makes camp on a ant hill. Uh. It, by accident because it was really dark and she didn't know that uh there were ants there and it, like it's like they made it sufficiently gross and horrible in the first part of the episode they took they used really good um they they took advantage of the voiceover really well to show her state of mind because otherwise you had to have her talking to herself for some reason that never never works and never sounds good um so that worked really well and then when they get you, you could tell it was very condensed from the book whatever book this is from i haven't read the books because they there's a she goes and is saved by a doctor or like or not a doctor a missionary a priest but he's like they have uh, they have quite a bit of medical things there, at least to help her with her like infected, red, swollen bites all over her legs and dehydration, and all these other things. <laughs> she gets better real quickly, all things considered. Let alone just happening upon someone who speaks English. Um, but 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 I thought that they did a good job of balancing the dread of what that character could be. Um, with just like some he crazy, um, from just being by yourself a lot, you know, um, I thought they did a good job clearly condensing something that was much bigger into something that mostly worked in like part of an episode. Then coincidentally, Jamie ship stumbles upon the same island and they're reunited and it's so contrived, but it, at that point she had been through so much, you were happy to give it to her. Because like those those like she wakes up and there's like this giant snake like moving across her body and she's like has to wake up and not move and she's like Katrina Bell's performance was amazing she's losing her mind as this giant snake slithers across her body and if she moves she might like startle the snake and get killed um like she'd been through so much that you were just at least I was completely willing to just give it to her. <laughs> like, and you just, ha- like, there's a ship there. It just happens to be Jamie's ship. Sure. Why not? Yay, we're back <laughs> to reunion sex on the ship. You know, like, that. it, it felt appropriate and earned enough that it's, it, it's fun to see them now move on to whatever the next threat will be, the next uh, hijink that will ensue. Uh, so I, I actually had a lot of fun with Encharted uh, as, as, like... There was no, there's no like Wilson scene. There is a coconut that they talk to that the uh-huh. the, the missionary talks to, who is a uh, they call him Coco, and and the the missionary has to um or the priest or whatever is uh consulting with Coco about when she can leave, when she'll be well enough to leave, and oh, you need some more clothes. Why don't you wear my ex wife's dress? Like <laughs> like this, it was a good balance of creepy, like peril and not peril and being in Claire's shoes for that or her not shoes. Um, so yeah, that was, it was a, it was a 
it was a fun fun episode of outlander um let's though move on now to our last episode for a week in tv and that is marvel's runaway uh, i'm all caught up now uh and so so i i've been enjoying like my my estimation of the show hasn't really changed significantly after the first episode and a half i will say this though i think they're doing a good job with the parents but the trouble is they're doing a good job with the parents but then they need the kids to get wins so the parents have to be super competent until they're idiots. And that there's starting to be some tension there. I don't know how much they're going to be able like the parents have a lot going on. Right. So it's like they're but like, come on, there's no way she cleaned up. They cleaned up that snow enough. Yes. That, and that they shouldn't have noticed that. There's also no way that these two very smart men don't know how to kidnap a homeless person in the middle of the day. Like, why are you trying to slice his Achilles tendon? First of all, you wait until night. You don't do it in the middle of the day. But I, it's just a, it's a very weird sort of like mismatch of remembering either these are really smart, evil sort of villains or they're just kind of in over their heads and it's kind of hard to believe that they've been doing this for 15, 16 years at the very least. And they're in over their head. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, uh, the, the characters that I'm enjoying the most as the parents are the, the scientists and they are, I think that that's the one where they're treading the line best because you can absolutely believe these characters lying to themselves yes. enough, being delusional enough about their what they're doing and how it's for the betterment of mankind and all this different stuff. And so they've killed 15 people so far, at least. But what does that compare to how many people they'll save? Like, you could totally see that. And, and they're the Kevin Wiseman, who, of course, is so delightful in Alias Marshall and uh oh my goodness the actress who plays the wife yeah, who i've enjoyed si- since she was on angel <laughs> briefly as virginia angel uh and guys will be guys from season one i want to say maybe season two of angel um they like i think they're they're managing that best of the different adult characters bridget Branagh. um bridget Branagh, thank you uh no relation to Kenneth Branagh, I believe. I was looking that up the other day based on the spelling. Um, anyways, uh, I, I, I'm really enjoying them. And uh, I, I think some of the other ones, it depends on the scene. But in general, I appreciate the way the show is trying to structure itself and balance its time. If we spend too much time with the kids, I don't think the show would work. Yeah, and I, I, I agree. I think that a lot of it has – they have to really sort of earn – for the show, they have to earn the runaways like title of these kids finally getting to the point where they're ready to leave because there's not, they don't have like enough information and there are seeds of doubt about what happened, what they saw and what happened with destiny on the beach and everything is like, they need something way more concrete, especially like a couple of them, even as they're turning into huge, human light brights <laughs> um mm-hmm. that they need something to really sort of motivate them to actually leave and i appreciate that the show's like taking time to do that um because like in the comics i feel like it happens really quickly but the pride are also just infinitely more powerful in the comics than they are depicted here they basically own los angeles which is why no superhero goes to los angeles um mm. in the comics and um I did a little bit of research between weeks. Um, so <laughs> that makes sense, though. I it, like that. Yeah. I like that 
workaround. Yeah. Yeah, no, I did too. But I, I like the, the fact that they're like having to confront obstacles maybe for like the first time here. And they're struggling with those obstacles. And so, yeah, so I'm enjoying it um, still. But I, I agree with you in that I haven't really like changed my estimation of the show in any way, shape, or form between, like, episodes one through three and episode four. Not that I was expecting Mm -hmm. a big leap forward, even if there is a character in this episode that says the most Joss Schwartz line ever that I've heard in a very long time of, you wouldn't remember because you're a lightweight drunk and a lacrosse-ruining slut. And it's just like, (laughs) first of all, where did this woman come from? Second, why does she care so much about lacrosse? And third... Why are you talking like this? <laughs> yeah. But it's a very, it's very sw- that is that is the very gossip girl line. Right. Yes. It's a very Schwartz line. So it, yeah. it made me laugh, but then I immediately like, I need to understand this world a bit more if you're gonna start pulling that out. Um <laughs> But no, I'm still enjoying the show quite a bit, and I'm liking the I'm liking the show more when it allows all of its characters to sort of pair off, which they do very successfully in this episode in particular. Um mm-hmm. So that helps like keep stuff moving, but I also do worry that they just have a little too much going on. So that makes me like a little concerned. So stuff with like um Caroline Carolina's um like potential rape, well almost rape, mm-hmm. and how she's trying to figure out what happened a little bit and come to grips with what happened is like I think getting sort of short 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 sold here. Um, but I think that's more of a victim of like, we have so much to do, including hunting a dinosaur in the Palisades. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's pretty fun. Um, and, and the way that they establish the different, again, I, that corner of the show, I'm really digging. Yeah. And it, just cause it's, it's, it's not afraid to be wacky and yeah. we're spending a small enough, to, like, like, unlike, you know, like when Brooklyn and 90 was like all very silly. They're 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 tempering that with the more dramatic elements like Chase and his dad and like and all the stuff with Amy and with that whole family like they're, they're tempering it so when we get to that it can just be jokes about brand bars yes <laughs> and 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 like thirty carnitas and of course the Kevin Wiseman character is is the kind of guy to order in 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 Spanish. Yes, yes, of course part. he is. It's like, oh god, you're that guy. Yes, you are. Um, like t- the delivery is perfect. So, so yeah, I, I, I'm because the other stuff is balancing it out that you can have a lot of fun with the the dinosaur in the Palisades. <laughs> or and you can also just engage in like some of the weirder, campier stuff of, uh, warm me up, and our pelvises are going to glow, and. <laughs> It's going to yeah. be weird. Okay. Okay. Uh, I would like to have a stronger sense of who that was because I was assuming that was her father. Yeah. And okay. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. See, that's what I'm saying. It's all very weird. Yeah. It's all very weird. I do think they're doing a good job with the effects of Rainbow Bright skin. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it looks and, really and some- cool. Yeah, and and considering it can't have had a great budget, mm-hmm. the um, the dinosaur looks pretty good, too. Well, that's the thing about the dinosaurs that they actually have like a puppet for some of it, which I really appreciate because it allows some of those scenes to actually play a little bit better than I think they would if you're like, oh, we have to pet the CGI thing, but not too deeply because then our hand sinks into the effect. So they actually (laughs) have like a puppet for some of it, which I'm which I very much like. Yeah, that makes I didn't know that that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. 
It's always nice when shows remember that CGI isn't necessarily the answer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's cool. So I will be keeping an eye out for that, for noticing that in the next episode. But for now, uh, Noel, what wins your week in TV? Oh, that's great. Are we, are, we, are we counting, like, the Earth-X crossover in, like, is that in contention? Yeah, or? I think that's fair to have in contention, though I think I'm more likely to give it to Maisel um, this week um, <laughs> over the Earth-X, uh, though it's very close. It's very close. Uh, so are you going to give it to Earth-X? Um, I am gonna, I'm torn between Outlander okay. and, and the first episode of Earth X. For me, yeah. Maisel, like, there's stuff that I really like, but then there's just stuff that I'm irritated by, and it's hard for me to point to an episode. Right. So, but it's, I'll, I'll go. It's very easy to point to that first part of Crisis on Earth X, because it's very good. <laughs> it's very, it's very fun. It's very good. And, uh, it did get me to rewatch the musical so there's <laughs> that uh the flash musical i should say um so but but I, i'm gonna uh, yeah i'm gonna give it to outlander okay in in which you know i thought again it was it was a fun it was a fun episode and a good like right when you think it's going to be a full episode of, of peril and isolation it turns and then it turns again and yeah, it was it was it was a good it was a good episode of Outlander this week. Um, now, if you show notes, you can find a post for this episode over at theteleverse.org. Leave us a comment there. Let us know what you thought of the week's TV. You can email us theteleverse at gmail.com. You can like our page on Facebook and start up a conversation there. You can find us on iTunes with an M4A chaptered feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed. And we're also up on Stitcher. We'd appreciate ratings and reviews either places, uh, either place, I should say. And uh, of course, we're both up on Twitter. I'm at the Televerse and Noel, you are? At Noel RK. And now we will take a break, listen to a bit of a trailer, uh, maybe some music as well, and come back with friend of the show, Dr. Elizabeth Bridges uh, from Uncanny Valley uh, to talk about Crisis on Earth X, the four-part CW crossover from, from this week. So we'll be right back after this. There's a 53rd Earth called Earth X. Basically, our Earth with one difference, the Nazis won the war. <laughs> I hate Nazis. They have a weapon. A doomsday weapon. Everyone care about them. Everyone you love, they're going to die. We're gonna have to fight our way through. You can't fight your way through an army of Nazis alone. Who needs an army when you got legends? Alright, we're on the move. with Supergirl Monday at 8, 7 central on The CW.
We're back with the Televerse. This is Kate Calls, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. And this week on the uh, the podcast, we're talking about the four-part CW crossover for all their superhero shows, uh, their current superhero shows, I should say, uh, Crisis on Earth X. And joining us, returning to the podcast, friend of the show, uh, and perfect person for this segment is Dr. Elizabeth Bridges. Uh, Dr. Bridges, welcome back. Hey, guys. So glad to have you on. And the reason you're a perfect guest to have on is, first of all, we always love talking CW superheroes with you, specifically Supergirl, but all of them. And also, you are the co-author and editor of a book about Nazi exploitation, the Nazi image, uh, sorry, Nazi exploitation, the Nazi image in low-bar cinema and culture. So, like, this is, it's like the CW crafted its crossover so that you'd be the perfect guest to come in the Televerse. It, it really is like that. And, and so when you guys put out the query, I was just like, well, I think I'm the person to talk to y'all about this. So here I am. Absolutely. <laughs> so let's let's just start. We will get into the Nazi of it all. Um, <laughs> yes, we will. But first, let's start with the important stuff. Uh, there was no Lena in this crossover, four-part crossover. Uh, now... <laughs> I feel like the, knowing our audience, knowing my thoughts on this, we will talk more about Lena when we get to the actual wedding. There, I have thoughts on that. Uh, but yes, me too. <laughs> yes, I think we're talking about the same images going around Twitter. Uh, we are. Yes, but let's let's actually talk about starting with uh, Elizabeth. How did you feel about the crossover? Did it work for you as like a four part event? Was it fun? Did, how did it match up to the previous? Like it, it, superhero crossovers that the CW has done. I mean, I I really enjoyed it. Uh, it's I don't know. It's the last couple of weeks of the semester for me, and everything is hell. And so, you know, it was nice to have a couple of nights to come home and just have something fun to watch. And so, in that sense, I enjoyed it. Uh, when when we got to the part with, because I really had no idea going into it what the story was even going to be. And so when it got to the part with Nazis, and I can't remember who it was who said it, but uh, somebody goes, I hate Nazis. And I'm like, yes, I also hate Nazis. Why does this have to be happening right now? And uh, so, you know, I mean, they've done it in Captain America a million times. You know, when we you want an enemy that, I mean, they kind of coded Wonder Woman as Nazis, even though it was set in World War One, And you know, I mean, when you want somebody that everybody hates or everybody presumably hates, it's hard to tell now, um, you know, why not pull out some Nazis and dust them off? Yeah, they definitely were intending this as the least political, current and controversial villain they could possibly do. And then and yes. 2017 happened. <laughs> Anyways, Noel, how did you feel about the crossover? Just big picture. Right, big picture. I I also like really enjoyed it. Um, it, it, it yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun. I think the first episode is pri- by far and away like my favorite um, of the four. But I I just I think that they did a really nice job balancing everything for the most part, and I j- it was it was just indeed a lot of fun. And they had like plenty of like fun little cameos occasionally that I really appreciated, and. Yeah, no, I agree with Elizabeth wholeheartedly in that it was just a really good way to sort of kill two nights with some really solid, like, superhero ridiculousness. And uh, just structurally, I think it worked a lot better than Invasion did as well, um, which was last year's crossover event. Um, So I I really enjoyed Crisis on Earth X. Kate, how did you feel? I had a lot of fun with it. And the structure, I mean, having having it be two two two-hour chunks... 
works much better than four one hour chunks. And yeah. yes. uh, like like just calling hearkening back to when we did miniseries or, or like two part TV movies <laughs> much more frequently mm-hmm. on TV. That structure is much more effective here. Um I have plenty of thoughts about how they used the various casts and whether they should just like like I feel like this is the the much better way to do the defenders, you know. Yes, you yeah. know, and I, I, but I kind of wish it wasn't an episode of Supergirl, an episode of Arrow, because like when you when they're calling it an episode of each show, then I kind of want the other characters to be there. Like when Win only shows up as an alt universe Win who isn't Win, and you know, Jeremy Jordan's trying <laughs> to have some a- fun. But and being a douche, <laughs> kind of yes, yes. Uh, that that doesn't really like when, when they bring in Captain Cold and they bring in, in Leo Snart and uh, he's just so much fun and this is great. I want to be able to fully enjoy that and not go wait. You gave him that time to Leo, but we can't have any of our other characters who are on these shows. You know, like and if it was a standalone mini series thing event thing, then I wouldn't feel that same. Okay, but if this is an episode of Supergirl, it should it feel like Supergirl? And I think they're just I'm getting hung up on minutia. I know, I realize I'm being pedantic and and overly <laughs> analytical, but that's what us nerds do. Um, so that would be a nitpick for me, but otherwise I do think it was much more successful than the admittedly for me very fun invasion. To see to me it didn't really it didn't really come across as individual episodes of a show. I mean for me it really was kind of a two part miniseries feel. Yeah. And I yeah. didn't get the sense that I was watching there was any kind of split between an episode of Supergirl and an episode of Legends or whatever it happened to be. And so um I don't know, for me I it, I just kinda watched the whole thing and it was all kind of one story. I didn't really think about it being episodes of individual shows. Well yeah, but that's how and that's what it was. And it worked right. much better that way. But imagine you are like not very plugged in for whatever reason to the internet, but you love one of these shows. You set on your right. DVR, yeah. and you come home and like, wait, what's going on? Why is you know like the people who only have a season pass for one of these shows or two of these shows? Oh yeah, didn't get the other episodes. Oh, that's a really good point because right. I know and- on um, on on streaming services on uh, what is it? What is that? I saw it on. Oh, just the CW app actually. Um, it's just on there as its own thing almost like I'm sure it's also listed under the individual episodes of the shows but it's also just its own thing and you can click oh, that's on really smart. it yeah, and yeah someone, it has its own logo and everything as someone who watched a lot of Buffy and Angel like you if you're telling somebody to that they should watch both those shows it gets a little tricky where you're like okay now you want to watch the first five episodes of this season and then jump over for two <laughs> episodes of Angel and then back for three episodes of Buffy and then one for one for a while like that's just come on. Yeah. Like something like this, just yeah, make it its own that, thing. So. <laughs> I, yeah. I I never followed people's crossover instructions. So I don't know. For me, I'm also not a really close follower of all of the shows. And so um like I, I know a little bit more about legends than I do about um about Arrow and so forth. But um yeah, it's I mean it worked for me as somebody who's not a close follower of the other shows. I don't know about people who are into all of them at once. Well, that's good to hear. We've been following all four. No. Yeah. Well, I think that the only thing that I think the only episode that really felt distinct as part of one of their shows was uh, part two, which was the Arrow episode. But that's because they had Bamford directing. 
and his and stylistically for like a lot of the fight choreography that they did though you can tell that Bamford's not maybe super comfortable with a lot of the more special effects driven characters that it felt like an Arrow episode that just happened to have a lot of people in it um for me anyway just stylistically um but mainly across that generally it felt very much like a amalgamation of all the shows like general styles all smushed together though i take kate's point as well because like that supergirl episode is basically a flash episode really Mm -hmm. and um you just kind of have to roll with that (laughs) yeah well and and it really was the Kara and Ollie and Barry and Iris and Sarah show like oh let's not let's let's leave Iris to the side for a second because the show the series certainly did well we'll talk talk about that a bit um but like and let's not forget let's not forget Alex yes yes because she actually did have a little bit of a journey she did have a journey and i have thoughts on that and i really want to know your guys' thoughts on that but they did try it like it was so strange that they were horse like they're just like putting in like just really cramming into these episodes so much jackson stein stuff until you realize oh that's why uh and Mm -hmm. like it because these they do a really good job i mean not trying to be uh difficult or overly critical but they usually do a good job of highlighting their very best actors, their very best uh, characters and performances, and the things, the characters that work best together when they do these crossovers. And then they have the Jax and Stein stuff, and it just sticks out so, so much. I'm like, I'm supposed to be mm-hmm. emotionally invested here, and I am not. And there's a distinct reason why. And it, and when you when you were spending. When it's the main air quotes heroes for each show, it feels very balanced. There's a lot of parody. But then mm-hmm. when you have Alex gets stuff, but it ties in with Sarah uh, and some of these. Uh, there's some like Iris gets up, but it's very tied in with ba- like Barry and Felicity with Ollie. But, and then Jackson Steiner there. You're like, don't notice that we're spending a disproportionate amount of time than we would with these characters if it weren't for a thing that's definitely going to happen at the end. Well, let, let me ask this because I haven't seen, I haven't been like super keeping up with Legends this season. Uh, was any of that telegraphed before or was it completely out of left field? Because it felt very out of left field for me watching it. They've been like preparing to write Garber off for a while. But okay. Yeah, that, that's right. been a big arc this season for Legends, okay. but he was going to retire basically. Okay, got it. Right. The character. Yeah, no, was. they've been like doing that formula thing for like a solid three weeks now. Oh, okay. In some capacity. Right. Okay. And then it took Star Labs plus uh, the ship's computer to like finally figure it out. Yeah. Well, and in that way, it worked really well to be a culmination of right. the art. Yes. And, and like they can't figure it out. They can't figure it out. It's like you realize you have a bunch of good friends who are all like insane geniuses, like ridiculously smart. It makes sense that they pool all their resources and that is what does it. Like that yeah. mm-hmm. that works. Um, however, can't we just have somebody retire? Like when when Sarah goes for the professor, <laughs> I'm like, okay, even Katie Lotz can't make me believe this. <laughs> like like it just it's terrible. This would have been so like they want they're like, we need to raise the stakes with a character. That's like, no, you don't. You Not really like don't. That. Yeah, no, I agree. Like the character, the character death as like a avenge sort of thing really wasn't necessary because like K- 
Kara had been in plenty of peril at this point. Yeah. So it, it really, from that perspective, it really wasn't necessary. But I was still like generally pretty invested in like uh, Stein's death, and a lot of that I'd chalk up to Victor Garber. Well, yeah, uh, not so much. Definitely. Like, Right, is like he's doing a lot of the legwork there himself, and I am here for it. But I just, I, I, I was still like not again. Like that was actually like one of the things I liked really about the finale was the fact that they spent basically like fifteen twenty minutes on this, on like everyone's re responses to it, the actual like death, and mm-hmm. so I really appreciated that they gave that space within this whole. Nazi apocalypse sort of thing that was happening. But but the, th- the thing for me is that in the context of the whole Nazi apocalypse thing, and there were so many other things going on, like double weddings and hookups and, yeah. you know, Nazis and Kara's heart and blah, 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 and um, kryptonite arrows not working and all kinds of things like that. And I was just like, and, and when I think back over the all four episodes, like, I had kind of forgotten about the whole Jack Stein thing until y'all just reminded me, but there were so many other things going on, even though I found that scene really moving, but I was just like, oh yeah, that happened. Yeah. Well, it it felt so extraneous. Like they didn't need to, they could put him in peril, but they didn't actually have to kill him. And, and for me, it really changes the, the tone of the whole thing. It, it, cause the whole thing was cotton candy fluff and fun punching, punching Nazis at a wedding in formal wear. Like that has been the tone of the whole thing. And then there's, there's significant peril with Kara. There's significant peril when they're on earth X and they didn't need to goose that last episode at all. And instead like, how does that not put a damper on your wedding? Well, for real. And that was something that I kind of didn't get at the end because, okay. So they had the kind of avenging moment, which also didn't play that well for me either. Mm-hmm. And then, but then everybody's just like, woo, wedding. And that felt a little, that felt a little weird for me. Yeah. I mean, Ollie and Felicity don't know Stein, but, but right, Barry but and still, Iris do. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know. It just, I mean, and why couldn't they have just let him retire to his wife and child? Yeah. I it mean, just felt like pain for pain's sake. Poor, and- poor dude. Yeah. It just, it didn't need to happen. I think our listeners all know how we feel about that. Um, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but just like like there's a history with us talking about that that topic. Um, Noel, any thoughts on, on Stein before I, we branch off to other areas? No, I'm eager to hear about Nazi exploitation, actually. Okay, but before we get there, I have to ask you guys what you thought about the Alex-Sarah hookup. Because I actually really liked where it ended up. But, like, they didn't have any chemistry, in that first you don't episode. Think so? No. None. You it was don't? Like, it felt so obligatory. It's like, and then we cut to them making out. Like, I did not like normally Katie Lotz's chemistry with everybody, but they were writing Alex is so daffy and so scatterbrained. That's not ever Sarah's type. Well, I mean, she they were drunk, right? So, right, no, I mean, there was I a just, lot of I just, scotch. Yeah, I just looked at it as like a like a drunk hookup and then and then a- afterwards angst and then coming to some kind of resolution about that, which felt normal to me. I mean, yeah. my, my solution to all breakups was always to find somebody else to sleep with immediately. So um, <laughs> that, it felt really real for me. And some I mean, of this is the, the Kreisberg stuff hanging over, but he was really into getting them to hook up. And, uh, and it did, for me, I don't know. I, I didn't feel any, any spark with them. Really? 
Yeah. L- later on, much more so. Like when they're fighting together and, well, yeah, and all that, then yeah. But it, I'm, I'm talking about bigger picture because when they just get drunk and make out with each other, I mean, they barely know each other. So, of course, there's not going to be a lot of chemistry then. But um, I don't know. I, it worked for me personally. Okay. And I know, I know there are a lot of fans who were mad about it because they felt it was a mischaracterization or that it was moving on from from Maggie too fast or something like that. And there there were a bunch of people on the internets this week that so I've heard were upset about it. I didn't see any of it on my timeline. Mm-hmm. But um but yeah, I don't really get that. I mean, you know, you go to an event, you meet somebody that you kind of have some stuff in common with and there's a little bit of drinking involved and yeah, so they hook up and maybe there's not so much chemistry. But then they kind of learn to respect each other as they go on and they, they kind of fight side by side and then at the end there's that I thought that scene at the end, I'm glad they put that in there. I'm yeah, just saying Car and Lena have way more chemistry. Oh, oh, for like, sure. I, like, I'm like, why are you guys kissing? Because it doesn't seem like there's any kind of spark. But you're like, there's not even any attraction. There's just like, I'm drunk. You might as well be a pole. Like, that's the level well, of lack of chemistry I, I was saying. Really? I didn't, yeah. I didn't see it that way. I okay. didn't see it that way at all. But, I'm um, very much but at the same time, this, I mean... So. <laughs> But, I mean, Cara and Lena, obviously, yeah, there's nonstop chemistry in every scene with them. So, no, you're right about that. Okay. Any other thoughts on Alex? No. no. Okay. I I, I just co-sign everything Elizabeth says because I'm with her on this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No. Yeah. The the comedy of her trying to sneak out and then Sarah being like, you're being being an idiot. You're being a that child was about this. Was, yeah. was very good. So very good. Yeah. Like specifically, how's your butt? And like yeah. that, you know. Is your butt okay? I heard you, you, you fell pretty hard. See, but I still wanted but that to have little... more of a smirk to it, you know? And she, well, but... I mean, there was a little bit of pause between is your butt okay? And I, <laughs> I, mean, I thought that was great. That was a little bit risque for your, you know, primetime TV. So I was yeah. like, all right, guys, uh, why not? Um, okay, before we're gonna we're gonna end with Nazis. So before we get okay. there, uh, I Noel, I know you have thoughts on this. Iris can't get a goddamn thing to herself. She wanna... cannot. Why? I don't understand. I don't understand this. It makes me very upset because it's just like Nazis ruin her wedding, and then self-involved white people ruin her second wedding, mm-hmm. and. I just, I got very angry because like all last season, they're just like, we're going to kill her. And it's just like, no, you're not going to kill her. And then it's just like, we're going to give her a wedding. And then it's just like, no, we're going to ruin both of her weddings. And I'm just like, you sons of bitches. (laughs) Just let Iris have one thing. One thing that's not ruined by being killed or Nazis or Barry going off into a time prison. Just let her have one thing. And then it's just like, no, we can't have her let her have anything because... Double marriage for some reason. It, I just got very upset and started well, yelling at Felicity and Oliver. <laughs> well, and like, like, like double wedding in a damn park, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, could, couldn't they have come up with something like in a restaurant or something? Whip something up real fast in a cafe I mean, somewhere? When your rehearsal dinner is at a coffee shop, I feel like the level of like in wedding planning that actually went into this, considering the fact that they had a very nice binder just didn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) See, but Jitters Jitters is very appropriate for them though. But can we talk about how both of her maids of honor are, are Barry's friends? She has no, Uh none of her own friends. And no, she does not. 
like, like as they addressed in an earlier episode, she and Caitlin aren't really friends. <laughs> yeah, and she's like, "Would you be my maid of honor because you're the other woman on this show? Because you're here. You're <laughs> yeah. here. Thanks for yeah. coming. Yeah, I but have it, no other friends or I mean, life. Come on, she like for how? Yes, she's in charge of Team Flash now, and that has been the best thing they could have done with her. And they've it's been so overdue. She's terrific in that role. Iris works really well in that role. But she, most of her life, was not that. And, you know, so you think she would have other friends from her years as a journalist? One would assume. Yeah? Yeah. One would assume, but no. Anyways, Hmm. uh, any other topics before we get to Nazis? Okay, Nazis. Buckle up. (laughs) (laughs) Yes! All right, so first, give us the lit review to establish the groundwork. Uh, No, no. I mean, I can I can talk about whatever y'all want to talk about. I mean, basically, Nazi exploitation is uh, the use of Nazi imagery and iconography to appeal to people's um, baser instincts or baser entertainment needs, just as kind of a cipher for evil, where people just see the uniforms and they see the the um, goings on, you know, and unfortunately, well, we'll talk about concentration camp imagery in a minute. But um, you know, they see stuff like that and instantly they just go, ooh, evil. And there's not really like any kind of historical reflection whatsoever. It's and it's so people use that. And it's it's in video games, it's in comics, it's in TV, it's in movies. Uh, my chapter in the book is about boys from Brazil, but I also talk about the um Nazi episodes of uh of the TV Wonder Woman from the seventies, which are pretty interesting mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Fausta, Fausta, the, Fausta, the German the German mm-hmm. Wonder Woman. I love Fausta. Anyway, continue. Um, so, I mean, that's basically Nazi exploitation, and that's essentially what was happening in this episode. I mean, take from that what you will. I mean, you know, it it heightens people's emotions when when you see like that sort of theater of power that uh, that Nazism provides automatically, and so you know, it just it kind of cranks up people's involvement automatically. And I think personally, I think it's a cheap way to do that because you're talking about you know, unfortunately, I have to bring it up, but you know, deaths of millions of people. And it's kind of exploiting this historical background just for dramatic effect, more or less. Oh, so, it's absolutely doing that. It's right. not yeah. kind of at all. It's absolutely doing that. Yeah. Right. So, like, my question then becomes, like, to the degree to which, like, having Felicity be very shaken up about this for basically the entire four episodes, does that alleviate the sense of exploitation for you, or does um, that add to it in another fashion? Well, I feel like they could have played that up a little bit more. Right. Um, you know, they could have they could have really played that up a little bit more. And then when you have the stuff about, um, you know, not only Jewish people being put in camps, but gay people as well. And you see the pink triangle or whatever. It's kind of hard for me when I see stuff like that, because like that has been a part of my awareness of like just life in general ever since I came out or even before that, because pink triangles in the late 80s and early 90s were ubiquitous and everybody knew what they meant. And but I think that has gotten lost somehow. And so yeah. I never know if if people if that's something people are already aware of or if this show is making people aware of that. And if that's the case, then maybe that's good. I don't know. But um, but it was very it was it was a, it gave me kind of a queasy feeling when you had the guy talking about killing his daughter and stuff like that was. Ugh, um, whoa. Yeah. Well, and I was if they were going to do if they were going to go there, I appreciated them also 
having that, like having the you know Ray in there, the Ray, mm-hmm. um, and and making uh like him and putting him in a relationship with Leo and like one of their more prominent figures in this, which was universe. really really nice. I liked that actually how and, they handled that, at least the relationship. Yeah, unabashedly yeah. like we're gonna make out on your TV screens now. Deal mm-hmm. with it, and and remembering you know so pro- obviously with the Sarah and Alex hookup, but also in the concentration camp. Like in a couple episodes ago, they did a Helen of Troy episode. We're like, did they forget that that Sarah's by because she's <laughs> has no time for Helen of Troy, and I feel like that is not very Sarah. So, but bringing that, you know, like really making that very prominent. I think uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna go there, at least do that. I really liked her uh, Sarah's little mini speech to her alt universe dad. Uh, I mm-hmm. thought that was really effective, uh, affecting. But then. Do you have to have one of your two Jewish characters in like in this entire like <sighs> mythos get killed by yeah. Nazis? Yes. Yeah, it's ugh, really? Just I don't know. It it's just too it it's just too hammering people on the head with this stuff for me. And then also just again, it's exploiting this imagery that caused a lot of real pain and real trauma for a lot of people for I'm not sure to what what beneficial effect yeah the stein the stein stuff i especially agree with as his judaism hasn't figured really as prominently into that character as like it has with felicities in which they fairly routinely remind people that she's jewish across like at least like a couple times a season Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. but stein's characterization or stein's like background and everything never really taps into that as much so it wasn't until like they show the star of david on his coffin i just went oh right Mm -hmm. he is jewish i forgot about that yeah 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 so i man i just i mean obviously i watched the show and obviously you know nazi exploitation works because it it obviously got me into the show as well but it also like i had this real tension watching it because on the one hand you know yeah it's dramatic that's for sure and it creates like i said this kind of big dramatic scenery that they can draw from but at the same time oh it's so manipulative and it's and it just you know i feel like doing stuff like this if they're not careful and i know they tried but if they're not careful it erases history more than it it reminds people of it yeah and and yet i did really really enjoy and appreciate watching superheroes punch nazis because again I mean, apparently in 2017 this is a conversation we have to have i know that and, nazis and are bad and that's the other part of this because i think in in earlier years especially like you know what i was saying with the with the wonder woman episodes and whatnot you know everybody in 1970 whatever it was 1977 mm-hmm. um knew somebody who was directly involved in world war ii and or, you know, had people directly related to them that they lost, either, you know, in the camps or as, um, you know, U.S. soldiers or whatever the case may be. And so it was a, it was a recent, almost immediate memory at the time. But now the fact that it's not a memory for almost anyone directly, you know, a few really old people now yeah. um, that were, are, were around fighting in Europe. And so. I yeah it's just like that awareness gets so tenuous it's just it's it's hard to know if it's responsible to do that or not but at the same time 
you know, now that we are in this situation to make kind of an unequivocal statement about, you know, Nazism is bad. I can't really get mad at that. Yeah. Because, because the fact that, you know, apparently that's a question now, apparently it's not a given anymore as it was in the 1970s when you could put Nazis in anything and automatically everybody is just like, Ooh, wrong. Mm-hmm. But now, you know, people are like giving them space in the New York times and things like that. And so, and, and we have a president who's not condemning it, who's not condemning neo-Nazism or, or Ku Klux Klan or anything like that. And so it's, um, you know, it, I mean, I guess if there was going to be a time to put Nazis in a show, I guess now would be a good time to do that. Um, but again, I, they may have been preaching to the choir because I'm not sure what the audience is like for, for CW shows. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, this is, I don't think the intent of the writers in the show, but um, I do think that there is a powerful statement to be made of, yes, your friends with not a lot of tweaking in their background could be Nazis. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Your dad, Quentin Lance with a slightly different, you know, like, well, obviously this is not a slightly different, but with, a, with like, like Kara, if she lands in a different place and has a different, you know, like she's still her, but you can see there's enough similarities there, but all it takes is that little flip in, in how they look at other people and mm-hmm. they're a Nazi. And I do think there's a powerful statement to be made there. I don't know that the show, I think you feel like the closest they came with that is maybe Tommy, um, which worked really well. I thought that reveal and those scenes, but, um, or maybe, well, maybe Quentin, but. Well, I was going to say also when just the fact that he's such a subtle difference in his mm-hmm. case. And I mean, he's, he's still fighting against them. But at the same time, like he's got such a different attitude about it than he would in in on Earth One. Yeah, yeah, or Earth Two. Which one is Supergirls? Earth, Earth Thirty Two, I think. What? I want to say. Yeah. Oh man. Earth Thirty Eight. Earth Thirty Eight. Thirty Eight. That's right. Yeah. Wow. Why can't I? I can't keep my Earth straight. Earth <laughs> One is the is the um the one where uh, everyone Barry is. and them normally yeah. live, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Dang. Okay. <laughs> Anyways. Okay. Any final thoughts on this crossover? Little like favorite moments, best fight scene. What do you guys think? I mean, the fight scene in the church was pretty fantastic. You know, uh, like y'all were saying, everybody in their formal wear and just kind of teaming up side by side and using whatever materials they could find. Mm-hmm. And uh, that had a real Buffy feel to it for me for some reason. Absolutely. Um, because, yeah. you know, buff, Buffy fight scenes were always people just grabbing whatever pool cues or candelabras or whatever happened to be around. <laughs> and uh, I really liked that. It was always imp- it always looked really improvised. And um, and I felt like that that scene looked like that for me and I enjoyed it because of that. It felt, it felt pretty spontaneous. Well, rip my skirt. It's time for me to kick some ass. You're not going to do <laughs> yes. better than that. Right. And, no. <laughs> and, and having it be like, Oh no, no, no. Every single person here is down. And, and then that's why car car's like, that's why I wore this adorably frilly lace dress because there's plenty of leg movement. <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 like just analyzing and they're like, and Sarah and uh, Alex is like, no, I was going to look hot as hell. Uh, and I'm going <laughs> to, I don't mind ripping my dress to kick some ass. Like, those are the you know like it's fun to watch you know these different these the other fight scenes but Mm -hmm. like you said the spontaneity and the creativity of that wedding fight scene did make it my favorite as well Noel 
Uh, no, I agree with the um, with the fight scene. Again, I think that the Supergirl installment is probably the best. Um, one thing I will like kind of knock it for is, and they lampshade this a little bit, but I really don't need Eobar Thawne to be alive again. I just don't. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate the fact that they um, made fun of the fact that they obviously couldn't get Matt Lester to come back <laughs> <laughs> and play Eobard again. Um, but yeah, I don't need him. I don't need Zoom. I don't. I don't need the Reverse Flash running around. Um, and again, um, so I was. I was kind of confused when it was just like, oh no, he, he time traveled and went to Earth X. And why? Why is he working with Nazis again? I don't understand what his end game here is. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> beyond, they wanted him back somehow. Yeah. yeah, I think I think that was it. I mean, yeah. you know, <laughs> you really don't have to take it any further than that. Yeah. But oh, and I suppose you guys were probably aware of this the the priest in that scene before he got zapped. That was the guy from Greatest American Hero. Mm-hmm. <gasps> that was him. Yeah. Oh, believe it or not, I'm walking. <laughs> there, there's one other thing that we do need to discuss, though. Uh huh. I got a few because, yeah, like, well, Wally, least, come the f- on. Yeah, no, putting Wally on the bus again. I'm just like, guys, stop doing this to Wally. Um, but I, I, I feel like they planted a really big seed of who was that? Who was that little girl that wished 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 Barry so well on his wedding? <laughs> the obviously the future daughter. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Obviously the future daughter. But I'm just like, how did that happen? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that'll be that'll be a fun thing for them to flesh out for the next half mm-hmm. season and a half if they follow mm-hmm. the arrow trajectory of how long we waited on William. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The um, I really loved them having Kara sing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that, that was, was nice. a, a lovely little touch and a little reminder of the musical, which I then did mm-hmm. and like go watch again because I just adore it. Um, even the parts of it that I don't think are very well sung or whatever, but I still it's, <laughs> it's so yeah, yeah, it's still <laughs> delightful and and, and again a little bit of series rem- like memory and continuity that I appreciated. That was a nice moment. I enjoyed that as well. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think unless we have any other details we want to mention, Shade we- like Joe's speech was lovely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm in the speech. I liked Cecile's response to that as well. That was really nice. <laughs> She's like, "Oh, I'm up here now." Okay. <laughs> Very nice. Um, do you guys think they should do more crossovers like this? Like, it was really overstuffed. There, there's, there's way too many characters, and that's why so many of them were just kind of barely in it oh god it would the show like why i know that they're like we have to bench vibe because he's just too powerful um and we also have to bench supergirl because she's also too powerful Mm you just like you can't lose carlos valdez in the charm offensive i mean it's just like what are you doing (laughs) just leaving it on the table um do you guys think that they can keep doing these kinds of crossovers or do they need to scale back to just like Something where they have like certain characters get zapped to a world, or where they have like two sh- like Flash and Supergirl do a crossover, or Legends and Supergirl do a crossover. It's not try to fit all of these shows with like they each have five superheroes on them into one thing. I, I mean, it was a lot to cram in, but I I really enjoyed it. Um, I mean, I think they could do maybe one of these big ones a year, and then maybe one smaller one, and I would I would be totally cool with that. 
Yeah, they can't do like another like four par- four show one like more than once a year just from a logistics issue. It would be just a nightmare. Um, but I think that they could. I think that they could probably work in some more. Um, depending on like people's schedule, and I think it's probably more flexible. Like with what we saw with this one, at least is like, oh, this is why we spent so much time with Mick and Ray in Vietnam, and Sarah was incapacitated. Yeah, <laughs> because she was off shooting this stuff. Um, probably like on different like time periods and everything, and I I think that that's sort of like what was happening. Nate and Ray, not Nick and Ray, but that's why they they were doing that kind of stuff to like balance like people's like call sheets and everything. But I think that there's probably room for them to do this sort of stuff, but it just sort of hinges on their production schedules, and they have to like build that stuff in. Uh, so it's really really difficult to do that, but. It's possible to do it, and I think that there's value in it. Um, as for doing another like big one, like I saw a couple of folks suggest that based on the fact that Oliver has a kryptonite arrow, um, that there was suggestion that they should adapt the comic book series um, Tower of Babel, which is um, when in the comic books Rachel Ghoul steals all of Batman's plans to incapacitate the Justice League, and then things go really, really horrible. And Rachel Ghoul almost takes over the world. Um, but my immediate response to that is, well, yeah, but Oliver's smart enough to come up with a kryptonite arrow. He's not smart enough to come up with anything else. <laughs> An <laughs> well, arrow that's... that shoots things is about the extent of Oliver's genius. <laughs> Though keep in mind Cisco and the the new super suit on, on Flash this, this year is like, what if you turn evil? Come right. on. <laughs> like, like, <Yeah. laughs> which like, I, I loved that answer. Why do you have a kryptonite arrow? In case I had to fight evil you, which clearly I do. So you're welcome. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. And I appreciate that we didn't get like an evil Barry Allen since A, we had gotten an evil Barry Allen last season. Mm-hmm. But also, no one really wants a Nazi Barry Allen. It no. wouldn't work at all. No. No, it wouldn't. Well, I mean, Nazi Supergirl barely does, but they did yeah. do a good job with that. Yeah, Melissa Benoist, I think, finds a really nice level. So she she definitely did. Did anyone and- else just assume that Zafir was Superman and he was off screen and going to show up? Like, I was no, confused when I realized, like- oh, the Fuhrer is supposed to be Ollie. That's ridiculous. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. She's like, how did that happen? How how did Oliver Queen become? the Fuhrer. It doesn't make any sense. Why like, not? Well, like, because it should be Supergirl. Yeah. <laughs> like, because obviously if they believe this, like, like the might of strength is what determines, then it would be Supergirl. And the only way it wouldn't be Supergirl, and when they started using the Fuhrer, and then they said masculine pronouns, it's like, oh, I guess Superman? That's a fun twist. And then, <laughs> then I realized that they had been talking about Ollie this time, and I was like, really? <laughs> Sure. (laughs) Well, I don't think anybody would want to see a Fuhrer Supergirl. I just think that would that would probably not play very well. Uh, But it would have been really interesting. Like, or even just like you know, keep everything the same. But instead of Overgirl, she was Overgirl, who was also the. It was like a job title. She's the Fuhrer. Like, Mm -hmm. I just assumed, like, because it didn't make any sense with everything else they'd been saying in this universe. But um. Yeah, that was funny. That was funny to me. <laughs> and, and who actually sends, like, goes out and is like, we need a, a an attack team. I know. I'll send the king. I'll send the Fuhrer on the yeah, front the, lines. 
<laughs> yeah, that would. I mean, the real fear definitely would not have done that. Yeah. Well, Anyways. when you want something done right, <laughs> yeah. you send Oliver Queen to do it. Obviously, I, I guess so. He's a thinker. Yeah, he's, he's a very that one. excellent planner. That one. Um, okay. Well, this has been a lovely conversation. It's been so much fun. This was a a often very stupid, but mostly very fun four part crossover. And if they want to keep doing them, I'm going to keep watching them. Same. Like you, like you said, Elizabeth. Like I really, I was I was watching the trailer last week, and I was just like, this is going to be so stupid, and there's going to be punching Nazis and whatever, and like making quips, and I am here for it. I need that right now. The uh, punching of Nazis never gets old. That's the thing. Yeah. I mean, that's part of the reason Nazi exploitation works. It's because, you know, <laughs> punching Nazis is always going to sell. Yep. Absolutely. And on that note, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast, Elizabeth. Where can I listeners find you and your work online? Um, yeah, I'm at uncannyvalley.us, and uh, I guess if you guys want to read the Nazi exploitation book, I actually really like it a lot. It turned out pretty well. It's been a few years since it's come out, but um, it still sells copies. I still occasionally get a royalty check of like $50, so mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, that's out there, and uh, you know, as always, I enjoy talking to you guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, would be happy to be back anytime. Yeah, well, we're going to hold you to that. If nothing else, we got to talk at the end of the season. Oh, we didn't say the Lena thing. Okay, quickly. <laughs> I was we have about to. That. We have to. Okay. Iris's vows to Barry are the same as something Lena says to Supergirl. People are like, mm-hmm. oh, you think you're reading too much into this. It's like, no, you guys are crazy and stupid because it's right there. That was a very prominent line. Yeah, they could not have missed that that was borrowed. I, I don't know. Yeah, but it was it was a little bit of a stab, I have to say, because if that had been a male character speaking those words to Kara, it would have been love. Mm-hmm. No question. Well, and we all think it is, so, you know. Well, I mean, <laughs> I see it. I don't yeah. know about anybody else, but it seems Anyways. like a few people see it that way as well. More on this at the end of the season yes. uh, when, when you come back, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for coming on. All right. Nice talking to you guys. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Televerse. 